This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Hi. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Law, welcome back. It, it's been about a year. I'm laughing because the second you said welcome back, I got an email like flashed across my screen and I have no idea how to turn that off. So I'm just going to ignore work for the next hour. Okay. And so it's wonderful having you on the show again. You, you were here about a year ago. And we talked about so many things, uh, your career, your life, uh, picture books, middle grade books. A, um, we talked about Broadway and Sondheim. And we and I, I recommend that everybody see that wonderful interview. Um, but at the end, you said something very interesting. Uh, and after a career in traditional publishing, you think it's kosher to self-publish. I do. I think okay. I do. I, the barrier to self-publishing has never been easier. I, when I was you know, coming up in the field in the, the 80s and 90s, you paid somebody four or $5,000 to publish your picture book and you ended up with 3,000 copies of that book in your garage and not much of a way to sell it and so forth. And it's so easy to publish a book now, if you're a writer, if you're not writing a picture book and you don't need it illustrated, you can practically have a well-edited Word doc and upload it on the Amazon format and sell it over Kindle and, you know, sell it legitimately and people can buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't have to pay a ton of money to do it, which is, you know, a huge relief. Okay. but but I guess I'll dive right into this. The one thing. No, that- no, 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 don't dive right into it because this was like the segue to introducing you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, everybody should know you, but not everybody does know you. So uh, Elizabeth, after a career working for the top of the top publishing houses, Viking, Penguin, everybody, you can uh, fill this I'm out. Yeah. And a backlist of, uh, of people like Linda Gremmelmans, um, Madeline, um, wonderful career, and now you uh, edit. Yes, and now you edit at the at Holiday House, which I think is is the best place for you because you know it, you love what you're doing so much that every day is a holiday. 
Well, it's it's true. If you're lucky enough to work in a field that you like, you're it's so great. It's the greatest thing in the world. I'm grateful for that every day. And uh, and you also have a side hustle. I do. So let's talk about this at the beginning of the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a side hustle. Um, so my name is Elizabeth Law, and my website is Elaw. And my nickname is Elaw, E-L-A-W. So Elaw Reads is my website, elawreads.com. And I, uh, I was publisher of a company called Egmont USA. And when the company folded, I was out of a job, but a bunch of people came to me asking me to help them with their manuscripts. And that's how I got the idea for this business. And what's good about it is that all those years I was working as an editor, which I'm doing now, I would see things that I didn't really, I didn't have time to take all these writers aside and help them with all their questions about agents. And um, I didn't have time to do two rounds with them if the book wasn't in good enough shape. I, I, and with this business, I can help anybody with like any question that they have. And I do have like years and years and years of knowledge about the field. So some people contact me because they have three picture books and they don't know which one they should lead with to an agent. People contact me because they've had six encouraging rejections on a middle grade novel, but they don't know how, you know, they keep getting close, but they don't know how to break through. Or people contact me for career advice. You know, their last two books maybe haven't done as well. And so now their one house is sort of not interested in working with them anymore. And we can uh, come up with ideas on how to target other agents and things like that. In our last uh, wonderful interview, um, we talked about the odds of getting a book published by a traditional publisher, uh, which I said were one in 5,000, and you corrected me, they're much higher, they're one in 3,000. That's, that's right. That's, that's, that's a big sure. improvement. It's better. And, you know, we, that's what we thought at, at Viking Children's Books. We took it, we, but... Um, I'm really proud of this. Holiday House, like some other children's publishers, Abrams is one I know. Um, we read every unsolicited manuscript that comes to us. We, um, you can submit to submissions at holidayhouse.com. Um, and there's a, a writer named Bitsy Kemper, I think, who has a blog and she lists every publisher in the United States that will read unsolicited manuscripts. She's a fant fantastic resource. But at our, we presented our summer 2024 title. No, it's fall, fall 20. We presented our fall 24 titles to, we call it in-house launch, but it's where the editors tell marketing and sales and everybody else what books we have coming up for next fall so that marketing plans can be started so that everything, everybody's on the same page. Four of our books that we're publishing next fall are from writers who came through the unsolicited pile. And we have 50 books on that list. So that's a, I think that's a fantastic st statistic. And I, uh, I concur. A, a, another, a, another reason to be hopefully one of the, uh, one of the 3000. Um, so um, Elizabeth, are there people that you say no to? Are there people you turn down because their writing isn't up to par? Yes. Well, not necessarily because their writing is enough to par, either because I'm not an expert enough on what they're doing. Um, if somebody came to me, because I, I've worked on a lot of adult memoir, for instance, so I feel like I have a good expertise in that. But somebody came to me with um, adult mysteries they were trying to break through in, and 
I, I read them, but I don't know anything <laughs> about them. So I didn't feel like I could help there. And I do always try to make it clear that um, when you're finished working with me, you should be a better writer. But that, and you can take what you've learned with me to it and apply it to other work, but that doesn't mean that your book is always going to be saleable. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a, a luxury investment. If you can afford it, it's fantastic. But if not, keep working on your own, own and join a critique group and, and submit where you can and maybe go to a conference. But sure, I'll work with anybody who meets my quote, Mel. I, uh, and I, I will recommend you hold heart, wholeheartedly. Um, but but do people before we, we we move forward with this conundrum of the self-publishing and the uh, traditional publishing, um, do people sometimes make the mistake that they think that working with editors who uh, represent a, a traditional publishers are going to get a an inside track, or is is it clear that if you go wild about their manuscript, well, okay, you might submit it, but you know it's a one in three thousand thing. Boy, I hope not. I don't think so. Nobody that I know has ever come to me and thought, well, now you'll get to, I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I certainly, I think, I think that people go to writers conferences hoping to be <clears throat> writers and agents. And um, that does work in that at least those people will look at your book after you've gone to the writers conference. But um, maybe I should put a disclaimer on my website because it's never crossed my mind before. It's just that I've interviewed so many people. <laughs> yeah. um, so there are questions about about you know agents and things. So so if they want to know who to submit to, and, but I won't I won't just because they've hired me they can't say Elizabeth Law says you should look at my work. I only say that to people where I really mean it. And I know that. So um, Elizabeth, you 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 freaked me out. You surprised me because um, I self published so many books. And I also have a website where people can self-publish for free. We have a quarter of a million books. But in, yeah, but in, in my interviews, right, I select authors who have gone the traditional route. And, and maybe you want to um, take issue with that. Go ahead, take issue. Okay. No, no, I love tradition. Listen, if you, can, if you can get your book published traditionally so that a a house pays you for your work, that they do the work of designing the cover and bringing it to conferences where librarians will see it and working hard on the Amazon copy. And um, they have a sales and distribution machine so it gets sold into accounts and they keep an eye on stock and no one to read. It's great. I, I, it's great. And self-publishing, you can end up with a good looking book for sure but there's no, but you have to do all the work of getting it known yourself, right? You have to, and I I mean, I have some advice about how to do that, but there's a reason we have a staff at a publishing house because we're all working on your book. And if you self-publish, it's all you. I mean, how are you finding on on your website? Can people, you know, do some books get promoted more than others? How do people find them? Which is a big question. How does it work on? How does it work on your site? Oh, how does it work on my site? Oh, my site is just a, it's just a place where you can post your eBooks, and well, we have two wonderful platforms. But we don't promote the books, right. um, and some books have been seen a hundred thousand times, and most of them have been seen once. 
um, by somebody's mother. Um, and uh, and that's fine. It's, it's just a place where we allow people to publish for free. And, and I think the reason is, uh, and you've alluded to this, that uh, I want to talk about picture books mainly today because that's the real the real hump and bump, right? Um, the amount of money that you can spend on your own picture book is, is endless, right? I'm, I'm sure Holiday House spends $50,000 at least on each picture book. Do you mean in, in producing it or in marketing it or both? The whole caboodle. Yes, it costs, printing the book costs a lot. Printing book costs a lot right now. Paper prices are very high. Um, and marketing the book costs a lot. And I think I definitely, I, the self-published writers who I've seen sort of succeed are the ones who are happy in making it a business. Like they run it like a business. They run promotions on Amazon. They figure out who their target audience is and they advertise on those podcasts. They, they've gone out to writers and other people and gotten blurbs so that their book looks sort of legitimate and has attention. And uh, one of my friends made an, an analogy about his book, which is he said, I didn't want it to look like a restaurant with 50 empty tables and only two people sitting in it. I, I, I wanted it to look like other people had seen the book and bought it. And so I got a lot of reviews for it. That's, that's a job. I mean, that's what I do for my authors. I send out for review quotes and things like that. So, and, and then you have to talk about it on social media and you have to consider promoting it on um, Amazon and things like that. So right. let, let, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Okay. And run through the 50 things, or I don't know how many, but we're going to figure them out. Okay. Uh, we're going to do this together for the first time. Uh, on what makes a wonderful picture book? Oh my God! Okay, and 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 all the pitfalls along the way. Uh, I have. I must tell you that including the books that I self-published, okay, none of them uh, are. I've never seen an exceptional picture book that was done by an individual. I haven't seen that. Um, and it, when you get more and more into the field, it's easy to spot. Uh, whether it's the illustrations, the paper, the binding, uh, the text, the the overtext, the verbosity, if that's a word. Um, so let, let, let's 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 make a list. You you start. Oh my what God. Is, okay. So that's a whole other question. Is the quality of self-published books as good as it is when it's been through a publishing house? Almost never. Okay, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen one. So, we, so we, we have so much that we bring to the party. You know, the best art directors. But no, hold was, on, hold on. Start with the beginning. Start with the, the text. The text. All right. So the text comes in. And you want me to talk about how we work on a text? You can talk about whatever you like. But like for an author, let's say uh, 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 we have here a uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Sam Cohen. Um, right. he, he doesn't have a chance because he's, He's white and Jewish, and he's a guy. Okay, we're going to talk about Samantha. <laughs> um, and, okay. uh, and, and Samantha thinks that, thinks that she has a... Boo-hoo, poor white man. I'm sorry that you're like so hard. Okay, go, go on. Yeah. Okay, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. You said that last time. Uh, you could say that every time. Uh, don't feel sorry for us uh, white men. I, I don't. I don't waste any time. Yeah. <laughs> Nor should you. 
Okay. So, so somebody has, has produced a text, a, a picture book text. Okay. Um, and I think it's really, really good. Right. So it comes to me. And if it's got an idea that I like, and I think it's, for, if for some reason it sparks for me, maybe um, it's something I think, wow, a kid could really use this. Here's a book that I didn't edit, but my colleague Grace did called Tuesday is Daddy's Day. And it was just uh, mentioned in the New York Times. And it's about um, a child of divorce and knowing you know, that on Tuesdays is the day she spends with her dad after school. Um, so I think, well, this, this is something that, that we need. So I like, the, I, I like the concept and it's kind of well-written, but I think it gets confusing in the middle. Um, and that a child, and I'm looking at the manuscript, but I'm envisioning art. So I can, I can just picture it. If my picture is not anything like what it's going to end up, up as, but I, I, I'm experienced, so I know there's going to be art and that the art's going to be showing certain things. But the middle is a muddle, and I write the illustrator back. I mean, I'm sorry, I write the author and, and with some notes. And they revise it and send it back, and I think I can show this is good enough that I wonder I'd like to show it to the other editors in my department. And if they like it too, we'll try to acquire it, which means buy the rights. So believe me, if a story comes to me that I think is good and I bring it to the editorial, I ask for a revision and bring it to the editorial meeting, it's probably been through 50 revisions before it got to me. I tell people who are new clients who are working on picture books, I say, when you have a picture book published, None of your friends who aren't in the business will ever understand how much work went into that text. They'll never know. It looks so easy. Isn't that right, Mel? Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. And so this, I think this is the stumbling block for self-publishing. And, and you, you alluded to this at the beginning, that it's so easy. In other words, yeah. if, I, if, I, you know, if, if, I, if I told my kids a bedtime story, right? about uh, Mish Mish and uh, Pish Pish. And yep. my kids loved it. And I said, oh, I could write this story. Then I, I, I think that my main obstacle before I went to SCBWI seven years ago was that I thought I was really good. And somebody has to tell okay. authors that they are. He thinks that, right. So that was just the normal progression. And your kids have loved the story for so long. Yeah, I said anybody can self-publish. I didn't set, met, say they were going to end up with a great book, but I did say they weren't going to end up with 3,000 copies in their garage anymore that they thought people were. I'm happy that they're not being taken by vanity press shysters, basically, you know, which was the old story. I, I must say that in Israel, many still are. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so, I don't mind. I think it's fine if you want to give hundred you want to give a hundred copies of the story inside you to your grandchildren and at birthday parties and stuff then it's completely legitimate it's it's just not delivering everything that a traditional publisher delivers including editing well let's and, talk let's talk about that first of all the author has to know that stories have to be revised dozens of times right. and they, they, they need a professional eye right oh god God, yes. And even, I mean, for instance, I'm pretty confident about what I think, but I ask my colleagues all the time, what do you think between these two words or does this sound, does this work here? Things like that. You know, a lot of people are, are putting their best into it. 
And I, I think that that's really one of the major stumbling blocks is, is realizing that it is a lot of work and that you do need professional help, whether it's an editor, critique group, uh, going to meetings, uh, pitching, and, and all of these things. But many self-published authors, they don't even acknowledge this. I know oh. because I was, I was one. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I, I can I can tell a story now that I can disguise enough that no one will be offended. But there was uh, back in the 80s, uh, there was a celebrity author who had a friend who was a faux painter. You know, she did faux paintings in the, and she, that person came in. So they were sort of a package and they had four picture books together um, that sold based on the celebrities. You know, the, and it was more of a novelty then. There weren't as many famous people writing books for kids. So um, after those books didn't do a lot, the illustrator tried to write her own stories. And, and I met with her at a conference and she, and she said, I think the problem with the previous books was the text. And I thought, yeah, no, <laughs> the texts were good, but, but, but you're really a faux painter. You know, she did, uh, beautiful scenes, but she couldn't, she couldn't do movement. She couldn't really draw children very well. And there were children in the stories and things like that. So yeah, she thought it was, the problem was that the celebrity writer, but neither, neither was very good. So everybody always thinks it's easy. Yeah. So, so we've, we've discussed having a really great story. Yeah. We've discussed having somebody to help work on your text as it goes through dozens and dozens of revisions. Right. We, we've talked about leaving space for the illustrator. I don't think we have talked about that. Have well, we? We, well, let's talk about it some more. Uh, I can tell you that when I was self-publishing and paying for the books myself, I, I pushed as much text into each page as I could. And when, the ed- and when the editor said to me, Mel, you know, it's a picture book. And I said, yeah, but I want people to appreciate the author. I'm the author. I'm paying for it. And it, and 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 look how beautiful, look how beautiful my text is. But and I prevailed because I was paying for the book. Right. Yeah, great. That's a great way to win. <laughs> well, it's my money, so it, instead of let's not put the child first. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh um but you know, that's a common, it's a very common stage of learning to write a picture book is learning that you don't have to describe everything and learning to trust that the artist is going to figure it out. So, so we don't judge people who overwrite at the beginning. No, we don't judge them at the beginning. <laughs> but no, somewhere along the line, you have to acknowledge that you have to learn these things. And um, you know, I, 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 as a writer, I'm always overwriting. I'm always over, and I'm always going to overwrite, no matter you know how much I work with people like you and Harold. It, it, it's a tendency that you have because you're leaving a void, you're leaving a vacuum. But, it, but and then you pull back. Listen, if people could edit themselves, I'd be out of a job. So I'm. It's, it's thank God. You know, we none of us can see see what we always need someone else to give us feedback. Absolutely. And, okay, and, and, and then let's say, okay, you've, you've perfected your text and you have a story and you've left a lot of room for the illustrations, okay? And, and um, then there's the, the choosing the illustrator. How can an author who's not skilled in this decide who's going to illustrate their book? Who should? 
I think that I think that that's less bad than it used to be. I don't think you can art direct a book the way an art director can, not at all. But you can actually see lots and lots of samples online now. Um, hopefully you're not picking the woman who's faux painting your apartment or your neighbor. It's much better to go out there and look at, at samples. And But I've seen some, um, I actually, I, I mean, this is right here, I'll be right back. I'm gonna sing the song meanwhile. Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Hava. Elizabeth is back. Um, this one is, is a client of mine now, Kat Cronenberg, and she did three books in this series and she promotes them. I mean, she does school visits and all this, but I was very impressed with, a, she could use an art director, but she found a good artist. You know, it, the book's a, it's a printed hardcover, although this is a problem actually. Oh, no, it's good. I thought the art, like sometimes people don't know not to put art things in the gutter that are gonna cross, cut off. That's something you need a publisher for. But she, you know, you can find people online who know how to draw and paint. So in terms of, this looks like a real book and it is, but it's a job for her. She spent a lot of money on it. She promotes it. She, so, know, yeah, so, so like a publisher who pays you, right? And, and she published that herself? She did. Well, she um, absolutely. She found the illustrator. She used a group called Greenleaf Book Group Press. Mm -hmm. And um, I never I never had the nerve to ask her how much money she paid. She, right? she, should, she should contact me because maybe if I like the book, I will interview her. And that would be the first self-published self author that I've interviewed on the show. I'm going to make a note now. I'll have her get in touch. I'm writing it down right now. Absolutely. I, this could be my this could be my side hustle. Great. <laughs> okay, so that so that that's wonderful. But basically, I, I also say about Kat, she's since hired me because she wants to break into traditional publishing. Ah, uh, so, okay. <laughs> that that makes it even more exciting for me. Okay. Because because you talked about also money, so let's talk about money for for a second. How much does a big house pay an illustrator? for a picture book, 13 double spreads, cover, et cetera? There's a huge range. So let's not talk about the stars because I, you know, and I work at Holiday House and I think that really big publishers can pay a few of the big stars a lot of money. Um, but we might pay for a full picture book. Um, I think, well, I, um, Give me a range. I don't want you to get into trouble. Give me a range. Listen, we have a series called I Like to Read Comics that are, um, they're like, I like to read books, but they're done in comic form. So because, you know, kids are so drawn to graphic novels now and so forth. And so for the text and art combined, we pay $15,000. So that, you know, that's, that's a lot of work to, to create a whole book. Um, and I think illustrators start we probably have never probably now don't pay less than 12 as far as i know maybe 10. okay and and i know that some for some illustrators they can pay 10 20 30 and um yes, well, some are some have huge track records and it's an event when their books come out and, no, I, no I, and i'm i'm all for that but yeah, let, me, let, let me let me tell you you know I, I should be so lucky as they say as right. the white as the white jewish uh, males say I should be so lucky. 
Um, but if, if I'm going to self-publish a picture book and I have to hire an illustrator and I should know that if I'm not a good marketing person, following your recipe, Elizabeth, I'm not going to sell more than 100 books. Right. And anybody can do the math. And even an illustrator who's not famous um, it, it deserves... Right, but you pay for I don't know four or five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, and the illustrators deserve it. Yeah, okay, but on, yeah. on on one condition that they don't give the the author the the uh, false impression that the book is going to sell. Right, uh, I, I, but I don't think an illustrator who's giving the impression the book's going to sell. Oh, actually, let's talk about hybrid publishers. Okay. Hybrid publishers are a cross between complete self-publishing where you do everything and a traditional publisher who pays you. In a hybrid publisher, you pay some money and they provide some services and you pay more for more services. I've never heard of anybody who's had a happy experience with that. I'm sure there are people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's nice to know that you can pay to have the marketing done and things, right? But if, you, if, you ask, if you ask me, are you asking me? I don't yeah. believe that there is such a thing as a hybrid publisher. It's, well, it's, 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 it's 50 different shades of vanity publishing. Right. That's probably true. I don't really, I'm not enough of an expert, but I'm no, so, for, so for people who are listening to us, would you agree that if you have your own picture book and um, even if it's a really good one and you hire an illustrator and pay four or $5,000, which you should at least, you're going to lose all that money. Absolutely. Oh, unless, okay. unless, unless, absolutely. I, I, I just think unless you make it, unless you are willing to make it um, a job, you know, and your job is promoting your book. And so you, then, then possibly you could make it work. But that's a 24 seven occupation. Right. right. It's not passive income. You're out there, you know, uh, going around to every library and bookstore in, in the neighborhood and getting them to order it. And you're doing all sorts of your advertising, which is investing more money. You're paying to get it bumped up on the Amazon ranks with and get it and to get it listed with other books. But I, I think there are probably there might be one person listening who's very good at um, uh, marketing or something. And I have an example of something that got, that worked for somebody. Um, it's a, I think it's a picture book about a penguin who um, breathes to calm itself down, like learns one of the techniques that they teach that both adults and children do to be calm. And the whole book is about learning that technique. So it's not a masterpiece of children's books, but it's it's a good book that a kid could use to learn this one, one thing, like to calm themselves down in a tough situation. And the author who contacted me to work on a different book um, said that, the one place that she had made money, actually made money on it, was advertising it on meditation on meditation podcasts. 
because those even though there's no click to buy when you're listening to a podcast, it was such a targeted audience and they must have known kids they wanted to teach this technique. But she's she's an MBA and she's done marketing. You know, she knew exactly what she was doing. She found the it's a lot of work. She still none of the other things she paid for. They would move the needle, but they didn't make the book profitable. You know, they sold more, but it didn't not not as much as the advertising cost. I'm sure at the at the end of the spectrum, you have two ends of the spectrum. One is books that sell, right? Which I would like, if we're talking about religion, because I think that children's books are a calling. Um, so you have like, you know, the television religion, <laughs> the television religion on one hand, and then you have the real church, which would be the traditional publishers, uh, where people uh, are not going to publish something lousy just to make a buck. Right. That's a whole, in my opinion, and I can, I can speak from this personally, the three times I've been involved with something that we thought we would make money on, but that we didn't like ourselves, each one was a disaster. So it's Why? 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 We're willing to publish things that make money that we don't like. We just haven't figured out how to do that. I, I, yeah, I would do it. Sure. Um, it's, it's, but somehow it never works. It just, if you, some, it never, the thing that you think is commercial, but not to your taste, every time you try it, it, it doesn't work. I, so, it, I mean, it famously doesn't work. It's a disaster. And last time we spoke, last time we spoke, you spoke brilliantly about writing to your passion. Yeah, it's the only thing that works, Mel. And I really mean it. And it's sort of the same for editors too. It doesn't work well when we take on books that we don't like. Um, it's mysterious, but you know, publishing is so, it's not like it's a formula, right? You, you know, you, you do get the very best book that you really like and you hope it takes out, takes off. So if you don't care about it, it just becomes, why should anybody else care about it? You know, at least if you're passionate, it, it's something that somebody else might identify with and, and see this, feel the same spark. So we shouldn't feel badly when an editor doesn't like our book uh, about the uh, snow on Passover? Well, first of all, I believe that feel badly is grammatically incorrect. And it should be, we shouldn't feel bad when somebody doesn't. <laughs> like um, that's why, that's why I need you, Elizabeth. That's right. That is not really what editors do. We're not the, we're not the police, but um it's so true. I mean, every editor, I, I, every editor in the world has turned down books that other people made successful. And one of mine, I'm too embarrassed to even say on this broadcast. No, go, 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 go ahead. Well, I turned down, this one I talk about a lot. I turned down the manuscript Owl Moon by Jane Yolen, which Patty Gouch bought at Philomel and John Schoenherr illustrated it and it won the Caldecott. So that's an example. Um, and every editor has a book that they took on that other people had passed on that worked, you know, uh, that we on and then it was a hit. So okay. give, give us an example of one that you. That's been around. Been like, well, a, a book called um, Itch by Polly Farquhar. It's not a picture book. It's a novel. I love that book. And um, several friends of mine told me that they couldn't get it past their editorial boards because people thought the book was too quiet. Um, that's a recent example. Uh and certainly the true story of the three little pigs 
which I'm not the editor of, but that had been around, that had been turned down by several people and we loved it at Viking and we sort of printed a small number and then it exploded. So, you know, you just, just do what you like and that's the best formula. I, I don't even know what we were talking about now. I'm sorry, I don't remember what the beginning question was. The beginning question was self-published versus traditional oh. publish. And, oh, it was right. The big thing was talking about writing your passion. That's right. Ah, um, yeah, that was the, that was the, yeah. Mel, sometimes we do turn down books that are good because we think there's just not room for them or something. I've had to turn down a couple of picture book like biographies that that I just, ugh, I've been, I thought they were really well written and interesting, but they, we, we have had so many recently and and they have to kind of have a way that we can imagine that they're going to stand out. I, Elizabeth, I don't know how to say this properly, but we need you guys to make money. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah. You, you represent, you know, the, the pinnacle for most authors who, who strive to be the best that they can and are willing to persevere years of itching and scratching uh, until they hear a yes. It, it recently happened to me. Um, and very exciting. Um, and uh, if we don't have you, then we don't have the, you know, the, um, I, I don't know the, the, the word for it. Um, you know, if I weren't Jewish, I might say the Holy Grail. Uh, we, 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 need, we need to have you guys to be super selective, super professional, and also to make money doing something that is so wonderful. You know, even churches, you know, need, need enough income in order to pay their, their bills and to pay their salaries. Um, I will so I will tell you because um, my turn to have an anecdote as we close this wonderful interview. Did you have fun? Are we closing our interview? Yeah, soon. What? Okay, I, I'm just getting started. I'm just warming up. <laughs> no, that, no, that's why we're going to have another one in a couple of oh. months. You, this time you get to pick the subject. Okay, so, so I, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean. I, I want to tell one anecdote. Go for so it. when I was about thirteen, I no younger, maybe ten. I sang in the choir of the synagogue on the high holy days. You reminded me about this when you talked about Eric Kimmel and the days of awe. Oh yeah, and you know, singing with the choir on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it was it was so you know. Like, I never felt really, I was so close to God. I was also on the second floor, you know, you see. And um, I was much closer to God. And um, I come home, and two weeks later, I get a check from the synagogue for $75 for singing in the choir. It took me like half a year to cash it. You know, how can you, how, how can you do something out of, you know, devotion and then and get paid for it? Oh, isn't that great? What, that's a wonderful story because it's a great analogy for, for writing for children. But I, I want people to make a living. I want us all to make a living. I want, of course, we want people to, to buy the books and we want kids to love them and wear them out and ask to hear them again and again. Absolutely. You know, I, I will say, you didn't really ask this, but it, the question, the number one thing I ask myself when I'm reading a manuscript, whether it's a picture book or not, is, is this something a child would want to hear again and again? You know, would I take this down and reread it? Yeah. 
That it, it is so incredible that you say that because um, I think I and we we talked about this a little bit last time. I think I became a children's author because of Madeline. Isn't that great? And and the yeah and and even so you know like, like my book that was just published in Hebrew. Emily saw a door. Um, there's something of Madeline in, in Emily. Her 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 chutzpah, her her sassiness. That. And it wasn't even something I intended. I even think that the previous time we talked, you talked about like you were in charge of the uh, of the estate of Madeline. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I thought that was so brilliant that you you met the 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 Bemelons family, and I say, wow, this is like this is royalty. I would rather meet them yeah. than uh, than Prince Charles. Well, I agree. And you know and, you can. Bemelman's bar in, in the Carlisle Hotel where he's painted the walls and painted the lamps and everything. And it's so magical there. Okay, so next time we'll have a drink. Uh, there's a mistake in, in the original Madeline book. There's a mistake. Shall we just leave everybody hanging? No. I, I wish I had a, I um, wish I had a Okay, you know what, Elizabeth, we will leave everybody hanging. I, I will just tell you that, um, my my siblings and I, and we're four. We 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 know every word and every nuance, and and um, and, and this 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 defined my early life. This story isn't that great. And of course, my favorite line. Do you want to guess what my favorite line is? A crack in the ceiling had a habit of sometimes. Really, I got it. Ah! A crack in the ceiling had a habit of sometimes, of sometimes looking like a rabbit. This defines my life. I totally understand that. As someone who was also deeply influenced by children's books, I totally get it. This is actually a good place to start uh, winding down because I, I do want us to have like conversations every now and then. And so I'm going to say, people who want to take down their copy of Madeline now, there is a famous mistake in it. Take a look and see if you can spot it. Okay, and and um, and I will do the same. Even though um, Leonard Cohen said many years later, and you know what, I never made this connection till now, Elizabeth. My, you know, I'm a big fan of Leonard Cohen, right? Whom I met, and um, his famous line. What is what is Leonard Cohen's famous line, Elizabeth? I don't know. I heard there was a secret chord. No, <laughs> there's, a, there's a crack in everything. Right. That's how that's how the light gets in. Right, and the mistake. The reason I'm bringing up the mistake is just because it's a fun little trivia thing to to do with kids who know the book. It's not because it harms the book in any way. Books have mistakes. They have cracks. Yeah, but that's so, how the light gets in. Exactly. You know, Mel. I, I've, since the pandemic, I've been spending two months a year in, in um, Paris working remotely. This I know book, that. Try and track it, you down there. It could all be thanks to Madeline. It could have really gotten in my, really gotten into my bones that way. Absolutely. So, Elizabeth, I think this is really a great way to finish up. Is there anything that I uh, haven't asked you? No, I just hope people are writing their hearts out and don't, the, you know, the one element of writing a picture book that we didn't talk about is persistence. You just got to keep at it. I mean, how long did you, how long did you send things out before you got your first one? 
Oy vey. Um, I wrote my first children's book when I was, my, my first story when I was 23. I'm going to be 72 in November. Uh, my first traditionally published book just came out in Hebrew. Uh, so let's do the math. Hundreds of rejections, uh, decades of doing other things. Uh, and, and luckily for me, uh, for me, was going to that STBWI meeting in New York thinking that I know everything, this professor, da 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 coming back and telling my wife, you know, I don't know shit. Ooh. <laughs> and, and seven years of, of really hard work. Seven, seven years, hundreds of rejections, and realizing that you weren't always right. That's a, yeah. I was, I was rarely right. Elizabeth Law, this has been wonderful. And uh, we're going to schedule again in a few months because... I don't know whether you had fun, but I had tons of fun. I had a great time. Thanks, Mel. I loved it. Bye. Good luck, We'll be in everybody. touch soon. Thank you. Ah, one second. I forgot to sign off. Oh. Actually, I forgot to sign on. I was so excited. This is Mel Rosenberg, <laughs> the host of the Children's Literature Channel for the New Books Network with the wonderful guest editor, Elizabeth Law. And I was delighted. I was so excited to have you on that I forgot to introduce the show. Okay. I'll say it again. Good luck. Bye. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye, dear. Bye.